introduce, um, and that's a great setup for, for John because um, we're crossing cultures, we're moving into people's lands that are, are their lands and, and the um, gods that they've been serving um, are little G gods but are real. And um, it, it's, it's a real um, walk of faith, it's a real mission call to be able to go there. So, John, please come up and, and share some of the stories and things that are on your heart to encourage us. I've known John for about 30 years now. And uh, when I first met him, he, some of you will recognize him as being the pastor at Wilson Street for many years um, in Timaru. But when I first met him, uh, we were invited down by John to Otrahonga, to the church where he was. And, and John said he would take a team from, or our team, um, uh, caving. And uh, my brother-in-law and I said, well, we'll we've been through Waitomo Caves, etc., and we'll stay and look after our kids. And we released our wives to be able to have the fun of going through that. And when Sandra came out, her eyes were so big because they'd been with this caving that they had never experienced, going through streams and down, crawling through places. And I think she said it was one of the highlights of her life. So bless you, John. Thank you. Over to you. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you for your welcome and for the opportunity to uh, share with you uh, something about just being in our world and because it's there's something amazing about when we connect with a an incredibly compassionate loving merciful powerful god and what he can do in our lives uh, helen and i have been serving in places like kolkata which is a part of west bengal and also in the northeast of India, uh, if you're aware of geography and your maps and things like that, uh, you have the V of, uh, when you see, look at the map, you see the V of India. Well, and to the northeast of that, there are seven northeast Indian states. And we've been visiting one of those by the name of Tripura with Transcend NZBMS. So Alan Jamison, whom you saw in the video, uh, he's our new boss. And, and he's picked up the leadership of the New Zealand Baptist Missionary Society. And as he was saying, we've been working in Kolkata. Uh, we have uh, still, even with COVID-19, we still have people on the ground there, as in Dhaka City, also in Thailand, and also in China. And there are people who are of, from New Zealand who are still working, living in their communities uh, through all that's been happening in the last six to eight months. Uh, in Kolkata, we work with a company, a business. Uh, it's known as Freeset Bags and Apparel Limited. And we work there in Kolkata and also like... Uh, uh, should we say it's it's a it's a company? It's not a it's not a trust. We, we go to work and just like when you do, you go to work in a for a business. It's a company. It's the same kind of situation. We employ people. We have managers. We have HR. Uh, we have a finance department. We have uh, communications. All these kind of things. And so that's the kind of thing. It was set up originally by Kerry and Annie Hilton, and we've been adjacent to the largest red light area in South Asia. 
And I'll tell you a bit more about that in a minute. But So that's the kind of context that we're in. The, in Tripura, we've been working alongside a, uh, a church group known as the Tripura Baptist Christian Union that was formed in 1938 in conjunction with some Kiwis back at that time. And so we've been going in there on a, on a regular basis to come alongside uh, some of the really good things that have been happening there as well. In March of this year, Helen and I boarded a, a plane to come back to New Zealand for three weeks uh, for holiday and also to celebrate my mother's 90th birthday. We'd booked this flight back uh, uh, last year. Uh, and uh, so, of course, we arrive in New Zealand. About 10 days into New Zealand, we discover that India had closed borders to foreigners with various visas. And then, of course, we realised that New Zealand was going into lockdown. And we're, so we're still here after four months and, and still don't know as yet when we will return uh, back to Kolkata. COVID-19 has just changed so much. But we've been able to work remotely with those who are still living in Kolkata, those who are still leading in the free set context, even though there are limitations. In uh, Kolkata, the free set business have been making uh, face masks because early on in the situation, we realised that, hey, we had the material, we had people who sew, and so we just set about working with local authorities and saying, hey, how about if we make uh, some face masks? And so we've been able to give some out into communities who think, oh, I can't afford to buy one, uh, therefore, why should I bother? And so we've been able to distribute face masks among communities that are struggling because of the loss of income. As well as that, we've also been giving out food, food into communities where just, there's just struggle, where uh, things are not going well. One of our staff has contracted COVID-19 and was asymptomatic, uh, and so we've also wrestled with the close proximity of all that's been happening there in the neighbourhoods, where there's fear, the struggle, recklessness at times, it's been a tough time for our neighbours. But I'd like to pray and then just look at some scripture and then go from there. Father, uh, it's amazing uh, that you have given to us relationship with yourself. But it's more than that. It's more than that. And Father, into these moments, as we engage with some things of your kingdom and things of your word and things of your heart for the world, thank you that you're present among us. And you're wanting to do some stuff in our own hearts today. It's not just about hearing information, Father. It's about engaging with you, an amazing, compassionate, powerful God. Father, thank you for your presence here and your capacity to speak into our lives, to engage with us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take us back to, in the scriptures, into the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, we start with the story of the people of Israel in slavery. And by chapter 19, the people of Israel have come out of 
Egypt through the Red Sea and they're in front of a, a mountain in a wilderness. And in that context, if you read there in the scripture into Exodus chapter 19, and, and it just comes up on the screen, but just to put in the context, on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came out of the, into the desert of Sinai, and after they had set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai and camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. And then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And then Moses goes on and he comes down the mountain. And then in chapter 20, uh, the Lord gives Israel 10 words that we know as the Ten Commandments. But I wonder if we could unpack what's been happening here. Here you have 12 tribes who've been in slavery. When you're in slavery, you start to develop the mindset of a slave. You see yourself as the bottom of the social heap. You are nothing. You have nothing. You have no future. You belong to someone. You don't belong to yourself. But this just wasn't any particular people. These were the people of Israel. These were the descendants of Abraham. And Abraham had been given a promise hundreds of years previously. He'd been given a promise and the Lord remembers his covenant. He remembers his promise and he takes this bunch of slaves and in power against a, a superpower, the power of God against the Egyptian might and the economy and the military powers and the powers of darkness and he brings them out through the Red Sea. And then what? To say, oh, I've rescued you. Go and enjoy. <laughs> like this, the world's before you. There's this place, there's that place. Go, just whatever you want to do. Just get on, enjoy life. No. You see, the Lord takes a bunch of slaves and he brings them out. And what does he do? He does a number of things. He says, you're a special people. You're a treasured people from all the people. He takes the people who were at the bottom of the social order of life. And he raises them to be the most treasured possession of all the nations of all the earth for eternity. And then he reveals himself. He makes himself known in all his glory. There in that wilderness, God reveals his glory again and again and again to a bunch of slaves. 
And then he gives them purpose for eternity. He gives them a purpose of life. And he gives them life. He gives them access to his presence through the priesthood that he set up at that time. And he calls them to be something special in all the earth. We were once in slavery. Slaves to the thought patterns of the communities in which we were born. Slaves to a whole number of things that kept us from being the people we've been called to be. And because of the cross of Jesus Christ and because of his resurrection and because of the coming of the Holy Spirit and because of the word of God and because of the prophetic that says this is who you are, the Lord takes you and me from slavery and he gives to us a purpose and life that's for eternity. He gives to us a new way of thinking. He sets us free from the the small mindedness of being a slave and thinking we're going nowhere in life. And he says, this is who you are. I've value you through the shed blood of my son Jesus Christ and I give to you a purpose that's for eternity because he promises that he will set us free and he promises to give us new life in its abundance In 2016, Helen and I were in between. We'd been pastoring at Wilson Street, and then the Lord had showed us through many things that he was to take us to Kolkata and to be a part of what God is doing in Tripura as well. And it was during that time, and time and time and time again, as Helen and I would pray, and we would just be reading God's word, and he would say, like he was saying to us, I'm good, I'm good. Okay, I get it, Lord. And then again, he'd say, I'm good, I'm good. Okay, I got it, Lord. And then again, he would say, I'm good, I'm good. All right, all right. Again, he would say, I'm good, I'm good. And then the second thing he would sort of remind us is that I'm with you, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, I'm with you. After we'd been there for some time, um, I was given, on the odd occasion, uh, we were given assignment to go up north of Kolkata. And there, um, we, we, we had at that time some work. And at that time, we were working in a, in a community known as Sherpur. And I was given a vehicle to drive. It's bigger than John's uh, four-wheel drive by about this much. And it can carry about 11 people. And Helen and I and the lady, we were going to visit her house, so we drove... And, and we, we got there, and I sh- shut the door, and then suddenly, oops, I've left the, key, the keys are in the car, the keys are in the truck. Now, when you're in New Zealand, you kind of think, oh, it's okay, I can, I can either phone AA, or I can phone a friend, or I've got the tools somewhere, and I can, I can sort it out. But in this situation, I thought, I've no idea what to do. I've no idea. Oops. This is embarrassing. And so for some reason, I I walked around the the, the truck like this, praying, Lord, I I don't know what to do here. I'm dependent upon you. I ask for your help. 
And by the time I got round to the back, Helen said to me, hey, there's one window here that I think we might be able to prise open. And sure enough, we were able to prise this window open. And I, and I put my arm in and put, as far as I could and stretched my arm as far as I could, but I still couldn't reach the button to kind of unlatch the, the back door. And by this time, there are a few kind of lads and, and, and men who gathered around us. Something's happening there. They just kind of do that, and they're just curious that these, these foreign people are trying to get this truck unlocked, and, and they're curious. They just, it's today's entertainment. And so they're just gathering around. And one of them happened to be very slight. One of them happened to be very So we said, hey, you. So we got this guy, and, and he, somehow he got in, could get in his head, and somehow he was able to put the latch. That's just a practical example of how again and again and again and again I've seen God fulfill his promise that he's with us. Again and again. One other time... Uh, I was given the responsibility for looking after the devotion times. Because we're a business and because we're a Christian business, we start our day with about 20 minutes of devotion. We sing Christian songs, we pray to the Lord, and we share from Scripture. And so one particular morning, I get a phone call about 5 to 10, five minutes before. The person who was due to be sharing devotions at our other building, because we have two buildings, and I was at one and the one who was to go to the other building to share with our staff the devotions hadn't turned up. So I said, I'll go. Because I knew that it fell on me and I should just step in. So I had one kilometer, there's one, about 1.1 kilometer of walking between one building and the next building. And in that 1.1 kilometre, I knew I had to turn up with a talk to be able to share with the people who were there to encourage that morning. By the time I got to the door, I had a, the Lord had given a talk. The Lord had reminded me of various things and was able to put various things in my mind. And I walked up the stairs into the room expecting to find about, what, 20, 25 of our staff sitting on the floor. Yes, they were there, and not only were there 25 staff of, of, of our team there, but there were also about 20 young guys from Auckland Grammar High School. <laughs> what the Lord had given me in that 1.1 kilometre not only was sown into the hearts of the people from our team who were there, but about 20 young guys from Auckland Grammar. And there's been occasions when the Lord has just again and again and again demonstrated that he's with you. And when there have been times when we've had to go through some hard, tough stuff. We've had to let some of our staff go. And I've had to sit down with some of our staff and say, I'm sorry, but we can no longer employ you. And as I've sat in, my, in our uh, apartment saying, Lord, this gets too hard. And I've had to, again and again, we've just had to say, Lord, even though it doesn't look, we declare that you're good. We declare that you're good. One of the things that we've been able to do in Freeset is that um, 
this build, the second building I said that I walked 1.1 kilometers to, is right on the gateway, right on the doorstep of a red light area that's about 1.5 kilometers by about 1.5 kilometers. And in that area, there are something like over 10,000 women who are working in a red light condition. It seems unimaginable. I still struggle to get my head around it as I've walked through that community praying with a friend of mine from time to time. But on the, that gateway, in that building, in the ground floor in the corner, we've been able to set up a cafe for women only. So that women from that particular community can come into that cafe in a safe place where they can rest where they can be cherished and loved, where they can be listened to, and where they can be received. But I sense that what is happening is that somehow when you say, Lord, I want to know you, you've set me free, you've given me a purpose, and when you take a step and say, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing in the bigger picture of things, whether it be in Christchurch or whether it be in some other place around the world, that when you take a step forward, it's like you attract the attention of the Holy Spirit. It's like you attract the Father's heart. It's like you attract something. It's like the Lord wants to meet with you. When you take a step forward and say, Lord, I want to be in with you in what you're doing, it's like, he, it's like something happens. There's another scripture that uh, comes up on the screen where Peter is uh, talking to a, uh, uh, a group of people in, in Jerusalem after the Holy Spirit has just come upon those gathered in the upper room around about 120 people. And in Acts 2, part of his just a small section out of what Peter was saying. No, as was spoken by the prophet Joel, in these last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and the glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Over the last 20 or so years, Helen and I have been going into this place called Tripura. And around about 2010, we were asked to go and visit and be a part of what was described as a golden jubilee, a 25-year celebration of the gospel being in the Baroque group, people group. Now, you may not have heard of the Baroque people group, but they are uh, like a tribal group in that northeast Indian state. For 25 years, this group had gone from a handful of believers, by handful, I'm talking about five people, 25. In 25 years, from about five people to about 80,000. Now, imagine starting a church in Christchurch with five people in your lounge 25 years ago 
And now you have a church of 80,000 plus. So they said, come and be a part of the celebration. So I, we said, oh, I said to Helen, I think there could be about three or 4,000 people here. In my mind, think, wow, that's a lot of people. We get there, and they've set up a soccer field. And there was something like thirteen to 14,000 people there. And as I looked at this, I had to say, Lord, this is your sovereign purpose. There were very few missionaries involved from New Zealand. But there were some from another people group known as the Mizo people. There's a friend of mine I work with when I go to visit in India. He's the principal of a college there, and he's from this Mizo people group. In his people group, 95% are Christian. 95%. And you can trace it back to the Welsh revival. If you trace back the process as I've looked at it. So I, I say this to say one, this, that transformation of communities and of people groups, of villages, of towns, of cities, is possible. It is possible. Because I, what I've seen is that the Lord is up to something in the world today, and it's bigger than we think. It's not easy. In fact, it's painful at times. In fact, there's suffering at times. I prefer to be walking in, in the light, in the nice places. I prefer where it's orderly. I prefer where it's clean. I prefer where people look after each other. I prefer where people respect women. I prefer where people respect people from different racial backgrounds. But the Lord calls us into places that are messy, unclean at times, untidy, run down, where people don't always respect each other and where people are mean to one another and people where there's injustice and where there's corruption in various kinds. Because I've stepped into sometimes, and one been, and I'll tell you, there have been a few days when I've said to her, I'm going home. And you remind yourself again and again where the Lord says to you, I'm with you, I'm with you. There have been times when I've stepped into the, a new role that I now have, and I think, Lord, this is too hard, I can't do this. And he just comes to me and he says, I'm with you, John. I'm with you. When you step into the purposes of the Messiah and the earth today, you attract his attention and he wants to speak with you. He wants to give you wisdom in your gifting. He wants to increase your capacity to serve. He wants to bring healing to your soul and to your spirit and times to your mind. 
He wants to renew your mind and enlarge your vision. He wants to teach you his ways. He wants, he is calling you to be teachable, to humble, to be able to be corrected and to be able to treat others well. He's wanting to form into you his character of faithfulness and of grace and of mercy. He's able to pour into your life more than you deserve. And keep doing it. Because I sense that God is up to something big in the world. And when we step into his purpose, there are times that will be amazing. There are times when you know resistance. And there are times when you know discouragement. But you know that he's up to something. And one day he's coming again. And one day he's going to be fulfilled. It just keeps going. So my encouragement to you is in... Uh, let's say three things. <laughs> it's like sometimes we need to say, Lord, I can't see much of what you're doing in my city right now or in our world right now, but I take you at your word and I want to be all in. There have been times when the Lord has just challenged me just to take the step forward. Be all in. Because it's easy to hold back. It's better when you're all in. And this might... I don't... (laughs) 100% sure of how this works out, but sometimes it's helpful just to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do something that is... show I'm serious. Like, go climb a mountain. Go climb a hill. Go up to port hills and say, Lord, I just want to spend time with you. I want to show effort. Like, it, it's not so much in the climbing of the mountain. It's about getting up there and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm serious about hearing from you. Or go out to the beach and say, Lord, I'm just going to go for a long walk. I'm going to set aside some time. Or to say, Lord, I'm going to go without lunch and dinner today. I want to just spend some time with you. I want to seek you. I want to hear from you. I want to engage with you. And then the, and to say, to trust that you are with me and that you've got a purpose, no matter what age. You see, sometimes we can think that, oh, that's for young guys. That's for the, those guys over there or those guys over there. They're, they've still got plenty of life in front of them. In your 60s and your 70s, don't let the world pass you by. In your 60s and the 70s and 80s, say, the Lord has purpose for my life. Lord, I want to engage with you. I don't want to keep looking back. I want to keep looking forward for what you've got for me also. Yes, I'm not as fit and as agile and as whatever it used to be. He's got more for you. He may not be calling you to travel internationally, but he may be giving you the capacity to intercede for nations in the world where there are breakthrough, where there are people like the Uyghur people in the eastern, sorry, the western part of China who are calling out to God saying, set us free. Or it may be for people who just live down your street who are struggling with what's happening for their kids and struggling with what's happening right now in the common, in the situation. 
The second thing I'd encourage you to do is to invest a portion of your finance in what you're doing. In other words, a concrete way of saying to real people who have experience over the long term that when you give, you give something beyond the immediate and participating in something bigger than ourselves that's of greater value. It does something for your vision and it does something for your heart. The third thing is to just start praying for your community and family, as I've mentioned already. But one thing that I've discovered in my journeys with Helen in various places is he starts shifting one or two perceptions that he, you have. Because when I lived here in Timaru and, and, and Canterbury in New Zealand, I would think about myself as an individual. And now it's like he's starting to say, what about us together? And so as you've been listening to me, you've been listening to what you're thinking for yourself. But what about if we were to listen and say, what about us, Father? What about us? How are we, how are we engaging with you for what you are doing in this city that's bigger than us? where your sovereign purpose is being fulfilled in grace, in mercy, in power, in wisdom, in creativity, in a way that contributes to transformation of communities around about us. Lord, you're up to something big, and we choose to step into it. We choose to pass on the blessing you've given to us, to others. You've given us much. We want to give as well. Father, it's amazing what you're doing. And we receive it. You've set us free to serve. You've set us free to worship. You've set us free to be a people set apart to yourself, to be a light in the darkness. I don't know if this means anything to anyone, but just before when I was sitting there, some, the Lord was just giving me a nudge about, uh, maybe someone here has got something in your left arm, left elbow. Uh, some pain and a muscle pain or something like that. Uh, maybe after the service, just come and connect with me. Maybe the Lord just wants us to meet one another in some way. He wants to do something in you. But uh, praise God for what he's doing among you.